Hello and welcome to edition number 1950 of the Whitney Talking News that we're recording in the High Street Methodist Church in Whitney on Thursday the 23rd of February. I'm Peter Bean, I edited this edition and beside me at the recording controls is Eric Imerson. Now this week we've got items from Bryce Norton, Whitney, Woodstock, Chipping Norton, Ensham and many more parts of our district about an arson attack, earthquake relief, council tax rises, a top pub and many more. Now we're a bit short on readers this evening and we're starting off with Dorothy, Alan and Nigel James and we hope that others will join us before long. So we'll start with Dorothy, and you're going to tell us something about Bryce Norton's uh, attempts to help the earthquake. Yes, the RAF medics are flying off to the quake relief effort. Ta- tactical med- medical wing personnel at RAF Bryce Norton flew out two field hospitals and medical staff from 16 Medical Regiment to Turkey. A C-17 Globemaster set off on Valentine's Day to provide help for people affected by the major earthquakes. The RAF has also flown over 15 tonnes of humanitarian aid and 81 tonnes of medical aid. And there's a colourful photograph of uh, the people just getting ready to go off on the plane. Nigel, you've got a shocking story about an arson attack, I believe. Absolutely. And it's headed, Neighbours in shock after arson attack on flat block. A man has been arrested on suspicion of arson, intending to endanger life, following a blaze at a block of flats. Shocked neighbours awoke at 4.30am as fire engines and police rushed to the scene on a Whitney housing estate on Monday. Four fire crews and police were called to the fire which wrecked a ground floor flat in Borton Close on the Deer Park estate. A 46-year-old man from Whitney has been arrested on suspicion of arson with intent to endanger life. It's not known whether anyone was hurt in the incident. As the smoke dispersed yesterday, neighbours complained about the speed of response from their landlord housing association Green Square Accord. Writing on Whitney Spotted, one said, I'm just waiting for them to ring back. Another replied, It started at 430 and Green Square didn't turn up until 7am. We're back in the flats now, and loads of Green Square people have been here, but have not knocked on people's doors to see if we're OK. I'm waiting for my GP to ring back, as I breathed in smoke when I was leaving, and don't feel very well now. Green Square Accord had not responded to a request for a comment before he went to press. Neighbours spoke of being woken up by flashing lights and the sound of police sirens, as fire ripped through the flat. Long-term estate resident Linda Hours was fearful for others living in the block, managed by Housing Association Green Square Accord. She said, There are all sorts living there. Some are good, some are bad. They have been drug-related problems, but nothing has gone, quite for qu- gone on for quite a while. Describing the incident, she added, I was woken up by a flashing light through the curtains, and I thought, what's going on? Asked if I was out of the ordinary, she said, not here. My house was built before the flat, she said. When the first lot came, there were a lot of issues, and then it settled down. I don't want to be involved. 
Another neighbour who asked not to be named described being woken by the arrival of the emergency crews. Yesterday, officers and a fire service vehicle remained at the scene as inquiries continued. The three-storey block has been taped off with soot marks clearly visible on two downstairs windows. Thames Valley Police said yesterday, officers have been at the in attendance at Borden Close, Whitney, alongside the fire service. A 46-year-old male from Whitney has been arrested on suspicion of arson with intent to endanger life. Officers currently remain on scene making inquiries. Councillor Thomas Ashby, who represents Whitney West Ward, said, I'd like to thank Thames Valley Police and Oxfordshire Fire and Rescue Service for their work on this terrible incident. We do not see incidents like this very often in Deer Park or Whitney, so it's concerning when such incidents do take place. I want to reassure people that crime in Whitney is low and the police work very hard to keep us safe. I would encourage anyone who may have footage or information to cooperate with the police if they are so approached. So, Dorothy, again, you've got another blazed story. Fire again. I have, yes. Headline is, Man Dead After Caravan Blaze. The death of a man in a caravan fire in Whitney is being treated as unexplained. Police want to hear from drivers who passed the bus stop in Woodstock Road, close to the Harvestway Junction with the A4095, between 2.45 and 4.30pm on Thursday last week. D.I. Pete Scott said, Very sadly, as a result of this fire, a man in his 60s has passed away. Formal identification has not yet taken place, and work is ongoing to notify next of kin. The death is being treated as unexplained but not suspicious. Detectives said they were keeping an open mind about the cause of the blaze. D.I. Scott said, an investigation is continuing to establish the cause. I'm pleased to say we've been joined with Adam Lethbridge. And Adam, you've got a good story for people who travel on buses, haven't you? I have. Very good story, actually. And anybody who travels regularly or even every now and then or thinking about going on a bus for the first time. This is very good news. So the headline is, £2 maximum bus fares scheme gets three months more. The £2 cap on bus fares on all bus services around the county will be extended by three more months. The national promotion, launched at the start of the year, was due to expire at the end of March, but will now run until the 30th of June. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak said he wanted bus travel to be, quote, affordable for all. The current deal runs until 31st of March, but operators were keen for a new agreement to be secured by the end of last week, as they are required to give six weeks' notice about plans to either cancel services or change routes. The Confederation of Passenger Transport, which represents bus companies, warned earlier this week that up to 15% of England's bus services could be lost if government funding was axed. Department for Transport figures show that ridership, as they call it, on buses in Britain outside London was 19% down below pre-coronavirus levels. Luke Marion, Oxford Bus Company and Thames Travel Managing Director, said, The extension of the £2 fare capping scheme is excellent news for passengers and the bus industry. Not only is it helping passengers continue to get out and about, it is also helping operators maintain services. 
we have experienced an increase in patronage via the scheme, and I hope the offer continues to encourage more people to give bus travel a try. The financial support has had a positive short-term impact, and I would encourage the government to introduce long-term funding reform to help the bus industry plan with greater clarity and confidence and to maintain and develop good quality, reliable bus services. And there is a photograph of, well, it just says, a bus in Oxfordshire to accompany the article. And the headline is, Tax to go up 5% as council hits surge in budget costs. Householders in Oxfordshire, hoping for some love on Valentine's Day, were instead hit with the highest possible rise in council tax. The almost 5% rise, the maximum allowed by law, approved by a full meeting of Oxfordshire County Council, comes in the midst of a cost-of-living crisis, with householders hit with soaring energy bills and increased food prices. The Labour Liberal Democrat-led council justified the rise in order to help fund an £8.9 million investment in social care. But it also comes as it commits to spending millions of pounds on divisive traffic measures, including costly repairs to low-traffic neighbourhood barriers in Oxford, and a controversial traffic filter scheme, which will see motorists prevented from driving across the city at key times. The council's budget plans have revealed council tax will be raised by 4.99%, which is 2% more than the original proposal. This council tax rise will add £82.42 to bills for Band D properties, which is an extra £1.59 a week. In a report for the 2023-24 budget, Council Leader Liz Lefman attempted to justify the rise on the grounds that it will raise the necessary money to afford an £8.9 million investment in social care. The Council plans to set aside £2.3 million to provide council tax relief for people on low incomes. Conservative Councillor Liam Walker and Shadow Cabinet Member for Highways, has accused the Council of squandering money on pet projects for Oxford and penalising motorists at the expense of the rest of the county. He said, I think residents of Oxfordshire will not be pleased about another council tax hike by the Lib Dem-led coalition. Residents expect our local councils to be focused on improving frontline services rather than spending taxpayers' money on pet projects, particularly for Oxford City, at the detriment to our rural communities. In this current difficult economic climate, I don't think it's fair to be hammering residents with another council tax hike of 4.99%, something myself and Conservative colleagues won't be supporting. Ms Lefman said, Inflation had created real challenges for setting the budget, but the council remains committed to its vision for a greener, fairer and healthier county. She said, we appreciate that any increase at this tough time for households will be hard. At the same time, we know that not funding vital services would have a huge negative impact on some of our most vulnerable residents. We therefore propose to accept the government's recommendation while investing to make sure we protect the lowest income households from the impact of this increase. We have set aside £2.3 million to provide council tax relief 
and officers are working closely with districts and the city to design this approach. We have listened carefully to the feedback from our extensive public engagement and consultation on the budget and the views of Oxfordshire residents are reflected in our proposals. The next item is headed, Three People Cut Free by Fire Crews After Collision. Three people were cut free from their vehicles after a crash on the A415 in Oxfordshire. Emergency services were called to the early morning crash near Standlake as officers closed the road in both directions. Fire crews from Whitney and Abingdon fire stations used hydraulic cutting equipment to rescue three people who were trapped in their vehicles. The two vehicles were heavily damaged in the incident, with fragments falling across the road. The people who were injured were then treated by paramedics from South Central Ambulance Service. An Oxfordshire Fire and Rescue spokesperson said, Firefighters were faced with three people trapped and worked alongside our colleagues from the Thames Valley Police and South Central Ambulance Service to safely extricate them. The road remained closed as investigations took place after the incident at about 6.20am on the 15th of February, and the vehicles could be recovered. Oxfordshire County Council's traffic management team later reported the road had been cleared and traffic was moving freely. Right, a rural burglary. No arrests have yet been made by detectives investigating a gang of masked burglars who smashed their way into an Ensham home. The group of five men broke into the detached property via an upstairs window on Friday, January the 27th, while a five-year-old girl slept. They forced a woman, the sleeping girl's nanny, to her knees and demanded to know where the valuables were. They made off with £200,000 worth of luxury goods, including monogrammed Gucci and Louis Vuitton bags, three rifles and two shotguns, and the 55-year-old nanny's Nissan, making off in the stolen Duke and a dark-coloured Audi Coupe getaway vehicle. Last month, detectives issued a plea for anyone with information about the gang or the raid to come forward. DS Simon Pond said, It is certainly one of the most brazen attacks on a property that I've seen. Thames Valley Police last night confirmed that no arrests have been made or charges brought in connection with the burglary. A spokesman would not say whether suspects had been identified. It was not believed that the raiders had been linked to other thefts. Anyone with information is asked to call 101 and quote the reference number 4323-0041088. Information can also be left anonymously via Crime Stoppers by calling 0800-555-111 and there is a CCTV photograph, although the man is totally covered, only his eyes can be seen. Now we have uh, two pieces of news in brief, and if you are a Carterton resident, they are not particularly welcome, and also if you have a pen and paper handy, like in Dorothy's last reading, there's some rather long police reference numbers here, so you might want to get ready to write them down. Uh, The first one, the headline is, Police Seek Help Over Attack Involving Group. Police are appealing for witnesses after an attack involving a group of people. 
The assault took place on Monday evening in Swinbrook Road, Carterton. Police said a person in a black 4x4-style vehicle stopped and helped the victim. If you have any, any information regarding this incident, please call 101 and quote reference number 432-300-67959. Last month, a man was hospitalised after being assaulted in an Oxford nightclub. The attack took place in Attic Club in Park End Street, and the victim, a man in his 20s, was involved in an altercation and was punched and kicked while on the floor. He suffered a fractured eye socket, which required hospital treatment before he was discharged. He was also left with a swelling to his face. And the second brief article is headlined, Attack Outside School. A man was kicked and punched by a large group outside a school, causing him injuries. Police are appealing for witnesses on the assault on January the 12th on Uphaven Way opposite Carston Community College near the bus stop. Officers believe that there were a number of school pupils in the area who may have witnessed the attack. A Thames Valley police spokesperson said the man was attacked by, quote, a larger group. He went on to say, we are appealing for witnesses at this time, and if you have any information, please telephone 101 or visit Thames Valley Police website. Either way, you quote reference number 432-300-17366. The heading of this item is Pop, Rock and Cooking Stars to Hit Alex's Farm. Pop sensation Sigrid, singer Tom Grennan and indie chart toppers Blossoms were top the bill at Blur Star at Alex James's Big Festival this summer. Also appearing at the three-day gathering at the Brit Pop Basis Farm at Kingham near Chipping Norton will be former Spice Girl Mel C, Never Gonna Give You Up singer Rick Astley, The Vaccines, Example, Freya Ridings, Katie B, and Baby Queen. There will be DJ sets by Hot Chip and Faithless. The big festival takes place over the August Bank holiday and is the last major music festival of the summer. It is billed by host Mr James as a celebration of his three loves, music, food and family. And the culinary lineup for its 12th instalment features some stars of the world of cooking, including guest chefs Asma Khan, Nathan Outlaw and Anna Hoch. Mr James says, I can't wait to welcome everyone back to the farm for our 2023 edition. Big Festival gets bigger and better every year. It's the perfect way to spend your August Bank holiday weekend with family or friends. With even more fantastic acts and entertainment to be announced in the coming weeks, this is shaping up to be our best lineup yet. Bursting onto the British music scene in 2017 with the hit Strangers, Sigrid went on to win the prestigious BBC Music Sound of 2018. She will bring with her hits such as Mirror, Don't Feel Like Crying and Head on Fire. She will top the bill on the opening Friday night. Tom Grennan will headlight the Saturday night 
and is expected to bring his anthemic catalogue of hit signals, singles, including Little Bit of Love, Something in the Water and Let's Go Home Together. Bringing the festival to a close on the Sunday night, Stockport band Blossoms have a reputation for incendiary live shows. They have three number one albums under their belt, with songs like Charmaine and Your Girlfriend being firm fan favourites. Younger revelers, revelers will be treated to some stars of their own, including Justin Fletcher and BBC's Yolanda's band Jam. Celebrity farmer and country farm presenter Adam Henson will bring animals from his Cotswold Farm Park, giving kids the opportunity to come face to face with livestock. A highlight of previous festivals, Alex James's Cheese Hub will return offering drinks and cheesy snacks alongside lively DJ sets from celebrity guests, including the host himself. Also returning is the popular Silent Disco. For the first time ever, Big Festival is opening its campsite a day earlier. Revelers will now have the option to arrive on the Thursday evening, giving them a chance to set up camp early, ready for action the next day. New sensory play space coming to family attraction. A family farm attraction is hoping to attract more visitors by opening a new outdoor-themed play area this summer. Fairytale Farm in Chipping Norton is set to make its biggest investment since opening in 2013 with the addition of a new sensory play area. The agricultural destination prides itself on accommodating children with special needs. Owner Nick Leister said, We're very excited to announce this immersive new area of Fairytale Farm. It has been in the planning stages for a number of years and planning permission was received towards the end of last year. Once open, our visitors will be able to enter the whimsical world of Fairy Dell, where they'll be the size of fairies. And this will be a brand new bespoke outdoor play area, designed for all ages and abilities. It will open in time for the summer holidays. The play area will feature a giant mushroom, raised walkways and bridges, crawl tunnel, clamber net, climbing wall and slides. Mr Leicester said... You won't see this play area anywhere else in the world. It has been designed by Capco, a leading designer of attractions and play spaces, to also provide a series of sensory features throughout, and the most of the new land will be wheelchair accessible. Visitors to Fairytale Farm over the coming months will be able to see the land taking shape. <coughs> and the heading for this article... Bell chimes with judges to be in UK's top gastropubs. A village inn has been named one of the country's top 50 pubs in which to eat. The Bell in Langford near Burford was ranked 37th in the Estrella Dam Top 50 Gastropubs chart. Rankings were compiled using hundreds of votes from food critics and writers, gastropub chefs and other food influencers. The pub was reopened in December 2017 by Peter Creed and Tom Nost, who are both from the Cotswolds and offers a British menu. In 2018, the pub was crowned the winner of the Central Region in the Sunday Times Best Places to Stay guide. There is a bar area, 
a separate restaurant with an open fire and a pizza oven, as well as a large beer garden overlooking the open countryside and eight renovated rooms for guests to stay in. The Estrella Dam Awards said, The venue offers a modern country pub feel, showcasing the duo's love for a hearty classic British menu, with the addition of wood-fired dishes and an extensive drinks menu, with great hospitality and ambience, also a top priority. Seasonal menus are ever-changing, sourced from local game dealers, farmers, butchers and fishmongers. <clears throat> Showcasing the best ingredients are dishes such as venison faggots, barrington partridge, pig's head scrumpet and salt pig, pig saucisol. Other dishes have included salted anchovy and chai flatbread, garlic, parsley, shallots and bone marrow flatbread and Cotswold IPA rarebit with soldiers and pickles for starters. Mains have included calf's liver, mash, onion, gravy and sage, chicken milanese with garlic, green beans and parmesan, and aubergine caponata with burrata and chilli. The pub also serves a good pizza and steak offering, with all dishes, including the steak, very reasonably priced. A good range of sides are also available to select. The awards list also ranked pubs from 51 to 100, with a second Oxfordshire pub making the list. The Wild Rabbit in Kingham was at number 72. It was recently named Michelin Pub of the Year 2015 in the edition of Michelin Eating Out Guide and has also received three rosettes from AA. The Estrella Dam Awards described the pub by saying, the restaurant marries traditional British country dining with more modern urban touches. The kitchen is open so diners can see from the, for themselves how food is prepared, for example, while the charcuterie counter has become a focal point. Additionally, the atmospheric private dining room, the chicken shed, seats up to 20 and has its own wood-burning oven and kitchen for a private chef. The traditional pub bar offers an eclectic mix of reasonably priced beers from artisan breweries alongside some more household names. Bar food can also be offered from blackboards, which are tweaked daily, as well as the restaurant menu. And now it's the editor's spot, and uh, a few years ago, Gervais Finn celebrated his 70th birthday, and he penned the following thoughts about growing older. Now, I wonder how many of our listeners can identify with them. And here we go. The thing about growing old is that you become increasingly nostalgic, remembering the good old days and inflicting your memories on the younger generation. More and more these days, I seem to be harking back to the golden age when bobbies walked the beat, People stood up for the national anthem in cinemas and there were no Chinese takeaways, fast food outlets or supermarkets. Milk was delivered in glass bottles. Cars had chokes. MOTs had to be in, uh, had not yet been invented. And there were no computers, sound systems or mobile phones. 
The television, when it arrived in 1959, was housed in an ugly wooden cabinet and had an 8-inch screen and showed black-and-white programmes. There were no sex scenes, bad language or gratuitous violence on the screen, and the actors kissed with their lips closed. When I was young, my father handed his wage packet over to my mother every Friday. He didn't have a credit card, rarely went out without wearing his trilby hat, and never set foot on a golf course. We didn't go to an ice rink or a bowling alley, or travel abroad, and we never ate out. The family would sit down around the table at tea time, and if we children didn't clean our plates, there was no dessert. And when we'd finished, we had to ask to be excused. I wore short trousers until I was eleven. I always had short back and sides at the barber's and walked to school in sensible shoes. Of course, there are certain benefits to getting older. You receive a pension, a bus pass, a senior rail card and a winter fuel allowance. You can get into the cinema half price and people help you with heavy cases. But the great advantage of being a wrinkly is that you can express your feelings and opinions freely and as forcefully as you like. For, as David Dr. Olivier, an expert on ageing, concludes, age can bring people independence of thought. Older people are not afraid to be original. For my father's generation, being in your 60s was considered old and there was little more to look forward to than a leisurely walk to the pub, a game of dominoes and then back home for a snooze in your favourite armchair. A woman in her 60s settled for a quiet, uneventful life. She dressed modestly, recalled wistfully her youthful good looks and resigned herself to looking after the how. Not any more. Today's oldies aren't interested in growing old. They're more likely to spend their children's inheritance enjoying life rather than brooding about retirement and slowing down. They may be out of the woods, but they're not over the hill. And now it's time for this week's notice board. And first of all, we've got two birthdays that are coming up in the coming week, and they're both on the Mar- March the 1st. First is Tony Barringer, who was a stalwart of Whitney Talking News right from the beginning, and Angela Holder. And then, secondly, I've got some news from My Vision Oxford, which was formerly known as the Oxfordshire Association for the Blind. They've now returned to set up their sight decks desk in the eye hospital after two years being away from it. Um, it's in the entrance to the eye hospital and they'll be staffing it with volunteers which will give advice and information to anybody who visits the eye hospital for treatment. Secondly, they have a fundraising event on the 16th of June and it's a sponsored abseiling from the top of the JR building, which is 100 feet. And if any of you are interested in taking part in it, uh, there's a phone number. Um, I'll, I'll quote it, but whether you take it up or not, we'd love to hear from you. It's 01865 725 595. And something that may interest many of you, 
Um, there is a Vision Zone exhibition 2023 on the 14th of March at Bradbury Lodge. That's the headquarters of My Vision. It's from 10 until 2, and if you visit it, you can learn about all sorts of support, services, and products that are available for the visually impaired. And once again, if you want to find out more about that, then you can ring 01865 725 595 for more information. And sadly, now it's this week's deaths that have been reported in the Whitney Gazette. And on the 17th of January, we have to report the death of, Sil- uh, of Sheila Townsend, who is aged 84. On the 1st of February, Pat Ratcliffe, who is aged 78. And on the 14th of February, Leslie Robert Rose, who was aged 85, and Helen Smart, who was aged 81. And of course, our sincere condolences to all family and friends of the deceased. And finally for me, it's of course this (coughs) week's quiz details. To begin with, we have the answers to last week's questions. And... uh, Here they go. The first question was, in which part of your body would you find the the cruciate ligament? The knee. The knee. And of course that is what it was. And the second question, what's the name of the main antagonist in the Shakespeare play Othello? Iago. Right. And then thirdly, how many of Henry VIII's wives were called Catherine, spelt either with a C or a K? And there were three. Catherine of Aragon, who was divorced, Catherine Howard, who was beheaded, and Catherine Parr, who survived. Now, I don't know if you know this one. <clears throat> Which was the most popular girl's name in the UK in 2021? Olivia. Oh, you are. My goodness, well done. Yeah. Uh, And finally, you'll all know this one. In which United States state is the city Nashville? Tennessee. Tennessee, yeah. Right, here we go. This week's questions, five of them. Agurvy. Decide which organ of the body is the gallbladder. Question three. In which country... Was Albert Einstein born? Question four. What is the chemical symbol for gold? And finally, question five. In 1956, Britain opened its first atomic power station at Calder Hall. In which county was it? Answers next week. And now... Back to the news. There seem to be so many stories about scams and fraud going around, so I'm afraid this is another one that concerns us here in Oxfordshire. And it's headlined, Fraud Gangs Fake Police Calls Prey on Elderly. Oxfordshire victims could be among those scammed by a London-based fraud gang, organised crime squad detectives have said. Three men from North London were arrested last week on suspicion of conspiracy to defraud. 
The men aged 23 and 24 have been bailed pending further investigations. The Eastern Region Special Operations Unit, a regional organised crime squad, said that the courier fraud involved victims receiving a phone call purportedly from their bank or from the police. The callers would say that fraudulent activity had been seen on the person's bank account and, to prevent their money being at risk, they should withdraw cash from their account and hand it over to an associate. Two people were said to have lost around £30,000 each to the scammers, police said. Further potential victims had been identified in Oxfordshire, as well as Berkshire, Buckinghamshire, Northumbria, Surrey and Scotland. <coughs> Detective Inspector Mari Sharma said, Courier fraud has a significant impact on victims, with some losing vast sums of cash. We're committed to apprehending those behind this abhorrent activity. Offenders typically target the elderly or vulnerable people and purport to be from a trusted institution, creating an illusion that they are trying to help protect their money. Instead, they themselves are the criminals looking to steal the money. She urged people to be vigilant to such frauds. Police or your bank will never contact you to withdraw money from your account or to purchase high-value goods for safekeeping. And now two more news in brief. The headline, Council put in top 100 for LGBTQ plus workforce. A leading LGBTQ plus charity has put Oxfordshire County Council on its list of the top 100 inclusive employers in the UK. The Gold Award recognises support for LGBTQ plus staff to be themselves and had been made by Stonewall, Europe's largest charity for lesbian, gay, bi, trans and queer rights in the top 100 employers list. The council said significant strides had been made towards creating an inclusive working environment for all. Engagement work with LGBTQ plus communities, including Pride events, was highlighted. Cabinet Member for Equality Mark Ligo said, Oxfordshire County Council is proud to stand with everyone in our LGBTQ plus communities. And the second item, Fiat Panja driver injured. A driver suffered a head injury after his Fiat Panda hit a wall and rolled onto its roof near Jeremy Clarkson's Diddley Squat Farm shop. The 23-year-old man was taken to the John Radcliffe Hospital, where he was stable. Police said the car left the A361 Burford Road at the junction with Chipping Norton Road, just north of Chadlington, at about 9pm on Saturday. The Fiat struck a stone wall, then rolled onto its roof. Anyone with information is being asked to call police on 101 and site reference 43230076300. And now for those of you suffering withdrawal symptoms, we have another Clarkson story. Jeremy Clarkson has lodged two appeals against West Oxfordshire District Council in relation to his diddly squat farm. Planning permission was rejected for an extension to the car park at the farm as well as for a restaurant to operate on the site. 
This comes following scenes featured in the second series of Clarkson's Farm on Amazon Prime Video that showed the former Top Gear star clashing with the council. In the episode, Clarkson storms out of a council meeting after numerous councillors voted against the planning permission being granted. Diddley Squat Farm is located in the Cotswold area of outstanding natural beauty, which means it's subject to tighter planning restrictions than other areas in the country. Liam Walker, who is Conservative member of Oxfordshire County Council, approved Clarkson appealing against the decision. He tweeted, All is not over yet, and Jeremy Clarkson has lodged an appeal against West Oxfordshire District Council for both farm, shop, car park extension and the enforcement notice for opening a restaurant without planning permission. The planning inspector will conduct the hearing in March. In a response to someone saying they hoped Clarkson won, he said, 100% local councils need to understand and appreciate farming has significantly changed for many reasons and the planning rules need also to change to allow them to diversify quickly. Farmers right across the country deserve our support. The council said in a statement, We understand that the planning process shown in Season 2 of Clarkson's Clarkson's Farm can seem obstructive and that people will be confused by the planning decision at Diddley Squat Farm. As with many other planning authorities, we have a legal responsibility to make sure that planning laws and policies are followed correctly by everyone to manage development and protect local communities and the environment. This is regardless of who they are, and we treat Diddley Squat Farm no differently. Meanwhile, Mr Clarkson was criticised by the Badger Trust over ill-informed and dangerous comments made about badgers during an episode of Clarkson's Farm. The second series showed comments as the star is told his cows are in danger of contracting tuberculosis due to badgers being on the farm. He decides to resolve the issue by killing the animals and suggests badgers should be shot, gassed, run over or even hit on the head with a hammer. He is informed such actions would be illegal. The Badger Trust said it refuted the claims as being outlandish, ill-informed and dangerous. It said TB outbreaks among cows, more due to factors such as poor biosecurity, including poorly regulated cattle movement and outdated, unreliable cattle testing. And the heading is, Council does not have a personal vendetta. A council has hit back at accusations it has a personal vendetta against Jeremy Clarkson. The move came after comments made on Twitter that accused West Oxfordshire District Council of refusing applications to expand Mr Clarkson's farm because of bias against him. Scenes of the clashes between the council and the former Top Gear star appeared in Season 2 of Clarkson's Farm, released on Amazon Prime Video this month. West Oxfordshire District Council refused permission for an additional car park at Diddley Squat Farm Shop and lines of cars were seen queuing on the road outside the shop when it opened two weeks ends ago. A council spokesman said, We do not have a vendetta against Mr Clarkson or indeed any applicant. And behind the scenes, we have worked with the owners and planning agents of Diddley Squat Farm to try and reach a positive outcome where the business can operate within the planning laws and policies. 
We have provided advice and approved many planning applications for Diddley Squat Farm over recent years where they have been submitted correctly and meet planning requirements. This included approving the farm shop with its current car park, approving a lambing shed and allowing the area from which farm shop produce could be sourced to be extended. Well, now we have another story about uh, villagers objecting to development in their village, but extraordinarily enough, this one actually does not say anything about Jeremy Clarkson. So you'll be pleased to hear, or not perhaps. Um, And the headline is, quote, Village full, say people opposed to 80 houses. Villagers have objected to plans to build 80 homes on a greenfield site in their village, insisting it is already at capacity. Spitfire Homes has applied to build the properties in Freeland, near Whitney. The homes are earmarked for Chapel Meadow, which is currently open countryside. The development will also include a community shop and an allotment patch. One concerned commenter, Jane Tomlinson, wrote on West Oxfordshire District Council's public planning portal, Freeland's population is 1,500. A new estate of 80 houses plonked in a field would increase the size of the village by 10 or more percent. It's too big, entirely inappropriate and has numerous knock-on effects. Freeland Village School is already at capacity and would require enlarged class sizes and more classrooms to accommodate children from the development. How will they do that? Another resident, Elaine Hardy, added on the public planning portal, this development would have a significant negative impact on the village of Freeland. Another 80 houses equates to potentially an additional 100 to 160 cars, and stating that people will choose to cycle or walk or only need to shop at the shop that they will build as part of their plan is ridiculous. They have allocated only 12 parking spaces in front of the shop in their plans, which includes three electric car spaces and no disabled spaces. So, if the shop is going to be so good, people will be forced to park along the Roslyn Road. Villagers are particularly concerned about the impact the development will have on wildlife in the area in question. One of them, Robert Crocker, wrote, Chapel Meadow is currently home to a wide range of insects, mammals, birds and invertebrates. The disturbance that development brings and its unforeseen negative effects on a healthy ecosystem should be resisted and the importance of this wildlife corridor acknowledged and protected. I strongly urge the planning department to reject this planning application on ecological grounds. On the topic of wildlife, Tim Clark said, Chapel Meadow is a wildlife haven and part of a wildlife corridor from Blenheim land in the east to Ainsham Hall Park in the west. Wildlife corridors are an important but often disregarded part of ecosystems. Conservation isn't about replacing existing species with others to achieve good biodiversity figures. It's about preserving what's there, nurturing it and adding to it. And it's not just about biodiversity, it's also about biomass. Plans are under consideration by West Oxfordshire District Council. Spitfire Homes was contacted for comment. And there's a picture that goes with the article, which is an artist's impression of the 80 Homes site, 
produced by Spitfire Homes, of course, which shows the usual dreamy street with happy people rushing about and houses in the background, which may or may not bear any relation to what they're planning to build. And the headline for this article is Animals Embrace Cold in Their Cotswolds Homes. Animals embrace the cold weather at Cotswold Wildlife Park. Bactrian camel Louise's indoor house was just a few feet behind him, but Louis managed much preferred being outside in the snow. Bactrian camels inhabit Central and East Asia's rocky deserts, where temperatures can reach over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, but can also drop to 20 degrees Fahrenheit in winter. Their thick, shaggy fur can cope with the freezing temperatures, and it molts as the seasons change. Male Bactrian camel Louis was named after Prince Louis of Wales, as they were both born on the same day. Louis became a first-time father last year. His calf Petra is the first camel to be born in the park since 2018. The wild Bactrian camel, Camelus ferus, is classified as critically endangered and the park is committed to the breeding programme and proudly supports the Wild Camel Protection Foundation. All the animals at the park have heated houses where needed. Senior keeper Jenny looked after Tapias Gomez and Lolita, who were keeping warm in their heated house, and the giant tortoises were placed under their heat lamps. And there's a photograph here of the Bactrian camel on a frosty day, and it's a beautiful picture. He looks a very proud, proud man at the Wildlife Park. And this item is headed, Excess Deaths Rate Falls from Near Peak. Excess deaths in Oxfordshire have fallen from a near two-year peak as the NHS deals with intense winter pressures, new figures show. Health think tank, the King's Fund, said the latest data, which shows a sharp fall in the number of excess deaths across England and Wales, is welcome after a winter hit by high flu numbers, still some COVID-19 deaths and an NHS under intense pressure following the disruption caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Office for Health Improvement and Disparities figures show 162 deaths were registered in Oxfordshire in the week to January the 27th and the most recent week for which data is available. The expected death rate was 144, meaning 18 excess deaths were recorded. This was a fall from 52 excess deaths in the week ending January the 13th, marginally below the two-year peak of 57 up to July 22. Across England, there were 584 excess deaths in the week uh, January 27th, a significant fall of the weekly average of 2,543 in the previous three weeks. The 3,700 excess deaths recorded in the week to January the 13th was the highest in almost two years, dating back to the week of February the 5th, 2021, which logged for 5,120 deaths. Dr Fina Raleigh, a senior fellow at the King's Fund, said the fall was due in part to falling deaths from flu and COVID. Milder weather following the cold spells in December and early January also helped. Dr Raleigh added, 
Emergency services remain under intense pressure and the NHS also faces a rising backlog of care with the waiting list now exceeding 7 million. The combination of overstretched health and care uh, services and growing unmet care needs will continue to present potential hazards to health for some time to come. The impact of the coronavirus pandemic on excess deaths is much reduced since the 2020 and 21 peaks, but is still present. In the week to January 27th, 4% of the 13,296 registered deaths across the country had COVID listed on their certificates. During previous surges of excess deaths, the proportion of COVID deaths rose above 33%. The Department for Health and Social Care said the recent peaks in excess deaths was caused by several factors, including high flu prevalence, cold weather, the ongoing challenges of covid and health conditions such as heart disease and diabetes. A spokesperson said, Our urgent and emergency care recovery plan will further reduce pressure on hospitals by scaling up community teams, expanding virtual wards and getting 800 new ambulances on the roads. The headline of this is Horse burned in chemical attack left scarred but safe in New Home, which is from Pet's Corner. A horse that suffered horrific injuries after he was set alight has been found a loving new home thanks to two charities. Grainy CCTV footage documents the moment Pilgrim's life changed forever. Two figures, their identities obscured by hoods, poured flammable liquid over a horse tied to garden railings then set him alight during a fight. In a matter of moments, Pilgrim, aged two at the time, finds his face, ear, neck, flanks and hindquarters all suffering horrific burns. But now, two years on, Pilgrim is not only safe but is loved. Thanks to Dublin Society for the Protection of Animals, DSPCA, and Blue Cross in Burford. Claire Owens, the equine welfare and rehoming manager at the DSPCA, contacted Blue Cross to find a home for Pilgrim, whom they had taken in and rehabilitated. She was one of the first to meet Pilgrim when the charity's inspectors brought the injured horse to the DSPCA shelter. She said, His head was very, very swollen, and he was just completely shut down. DSPCA veterinary team worked closely with equine vet specialists from the University College Dublin Veterinary Hospital to help manage his wounds due to their complexity. Treating them with medicated cream was stressful for Pilgrim, but it was discovered he loved to be groomed on his unaffected side, and this was used to gain his confidence. Slowly but surely, and with tenderness and care, Pilgrim began to trust humans. Ms. Owen said, He's a horse that taught me an awful lot of patience, and his saving grace was his love of people. And despite the burns, he loved being groomed where it wasn't sore. That's how I taught him to stand and was able to get a head collar on. I just did that basic handling. Pilgrim travelled over to Blue Cross's rehoming centre in Burford, where the charity's dedicated rehoming team continued his rehabilitation. 
Jennifer Hubbard, a horse welfare coordinator at Blue Cross, said, We were horrified when we heard Pilgrim's story and we really didn't know what to expect when he arrived in our care, but he was such a gentle horse. We were able to help him recover and find him a home where we knew he would be loved and safe. We were so happy to find Carol and it's wonderful to see how much Pilgrim has grown in his new home and to see him getting on with the other horses. He clearly knows he's in his forever home. His burns, no longer painful, have turned to scars and he is happy as part of a five-strong herd of rescue ponies. New owner Carol Hunkin said, I thought it would suit him to come here where there was never going to be any pressure for him to do anything other than be a horse and be happy, which hopefully is what we've achieved. And there's a lovely picture of Carol snuggling and the, and the horse snuggling up together with his scars cleared now. Well, that's all we've got time for. So please remove the memory stick from the playback unit in order to protect it and close that metal shield. Remember to reverse the plastic address labels on the yellow pouches before you post them back to us in time for our next edition. Now it only remains for me to thank the Whitney Gazette for all the stories we've used this evening and thanks too to our technical expert Eric Imerson, to our copiers Ian Rose and Mike Herbert who are copying the memory sticks and to our volunteers who were checking the pouches and the memory sticks that you'd return to us and keeping records in our register and they were Jan Butler and Shirley Rawlings. Now we were a bit depleted this evening with readers and we're very grateful to uh, Dorothy who did a double stint to Nigel who stood in for someone who didn't turn up and Adam who came as uh, he should have done. Uh, So thanks to all of those and I know we'd all like to say goodbye and so until our next edition, goodbye. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK. Now for a look at some of this coming week's radio highlights, starting with Saturday, February 25th. And Voices from the End of the World is a drama documentary that entwines the story of Lucy Catherine's voyage to the high Arctic aboard a sailing ship with 29 other artists, with a drama about two people travelling to the end of the world in search of a new beginning. Tune in to Radio 4 at 3 o'clock. The Rugby Six Nations continues with live commentary on Wales versus England on Radio 5 Live, 4.45 in the afternoon. On Classic FM, Moira Stewart's Classic FM Hall of Fame concert features music by Mendelssohn, Tchaikovsky, Debussy, Prokofiev and Vaughan Williams. Three hours of works played in full from 4pm. Opera on three this week is Shostakovich's Lady Macbeth of Incensk, recorded last October at the New York Metropolitan Opera. A tragic tale of adultery and murder as bored and lonely heroine Katerina falls in love with one of her husband's workers, Sergal, which leads to a gruesome series of murders. It's all on Radio 3 at 6.30pm. Archive on four this week is entitled Dramatic Beats, Poet and radio dramatist Michael Simmons-Roberts celebrates BBC radio dramas for the past 100 years. Do people still listen to the National Theatre on the air? And about one million per day, apparently, and London's Olivier Theatre would have to be filled 870 times to match it. It's all on Radio 4's 
Archive on 4 at 8pm. And lastly for Saturday, late night listeners on Radio 2, Misha's Gospel Gold. Misha Paris plays gospel music that left the church and crossed into the pop charts, including songs by Elvis, the Edwin Hawkins singers and Marvin Gaye. It's all at 12 midnight on Radio 2. Sunday, February 26th, and Lauren Laverne's guest on Desert Island Discs is the artist Sonia Boyce, 11.15 on Radio 4. The drama is George's by Alexander Dumas, a swashbuckling tale of revenge set in France's colonies. Just before, at 2.45 on Radio 4, in opening lines, you can hear how this novel set the template for many of Dumas's more famous later stories. The drama, though, is in two parts, and this week it starts at 3 o'clock on Radio 4. The Poet Laureate has gone to his shed. Simon Armitage this week talks to fellow poet Pam Ayres. Tune in to Radio 4 at 4.30. In 1946, Muriel Box, a railwayman's daughter from Surbiton in Surrey, became the first woman to win a Best Original Screenplay Oscar for the psychological thriller The Seventh Veil, starring James Mason, the tenth biggest film in British box office history. Yet she's little known and celebrated in this country. Carol Morley, herself a film director, sets out to right that wrong. In Sunday feature, Carol and Muriel at 6.45 Sunday evening on Radio 3. And lastly, Slow Radio, the Glacier in Retreat, a journey of snow and glacier from mountaintop to valley floor, featuring unique field recordings from deep within glaciers. Tune in to Radio 3 at 11.30pm. On to programmes then on the broadcast each day at the same time, all week, same radio station. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, same time, same radio station. A Tomb with a View is this week's Book of the Week, Peter Ross's celebration of life and remembrance, in which he uncovers the stories behind the headstones in graveyards across the UK. It's on at 9.45am every day on Radio 4. Composer of the week is Barbara Strozzi, 1619-1677. Donald MacLeod explores the world of 17th century Venice, in which she lived and worked. 12 noon, the place to be, Radio 3. Jane Austen's Northanger Abbey is serialised on Radio 4 Extra this week. On entering Bath society, Catherine Morland imagines danger in every encounter, with comic results. Miriam Margulies narrates it. It's on at 12.15 on Radio 4 Extra every afternoon, or at 5.15pm. Emily Knight joins a team of conservationists following Scotland's ospreys on their autumn migration to Ghana. Fly to the ospreys, 1.45 each day on Radio 4. Actor Toby Jones has adapted Italo Cavalno's enchanting short stories about the Italian peasant Marco Valdo. In this episode, Mushrooms in the City, Marco Valdo finds mushrooms growing by the tram stop, but is dismayed to discover he isn't the only one who has seen them. Toby Jones is the narrator, and there's a different story each night on Radio 4 all week. Alternatively, on Radio 3, the essay, in Albania. It's the mid-1990s and Albania is in turmoil after decades of communist isolation. Drawn by the mystery of a country she knows little about, journalist Joanna Robertson sets off to live there as a foreign correspondent. Tune in to Radio 3 each night at 10.45pm. On to the individual days, then, of the week and the highlights for those. 
Monday, February 27th. Alan Dean highlights stories of people discovering a positive outlook on life. They include Leal, who was a teenager when her mum left the family home in Soweto, but has now discovered a sense of togetherness and belonging thanks to a local community theatre group. Also, Ayuma, who finds fulfilment caring for others through his work as a psychiatric nurse in Nigeria. Listen to these inspiring stories in Don't Log Off, 11am, Monday, Radio 4. The Radio 4 drama May Days is spread across three days this week, Monday to Wednesday. David Edgar adapts the 2018 update of his own 1983 play that spans decades and continents to explore how many young activists who came of age in the 1960s subsequently made the leap from the far left to the die-hard right. Radio 4, 2.15 in the afternoon. Also on Monday, Radio 3 in Concert features Hamburg's NDR Elfamoni Orchestra and a performance of Prokofiev's First Violin Concerto No. 1 in D, Opus 19. Also performances of Shostakovich's Chamber Symphony in C, Minor, and Janacek's Symphonetta. It's all on Radio 3 at 7.30pm. Lastly for Monday, Analysis This Week explores the pros and cons of globalisation and asks how far the world is fragmenting politically and economically and what the consequences of that could be. Analysis is at 8.30pm on Radio 4. Tuesday, February 28th, and as sea levels continue to rise, Casa Alam explores the tough decisions that must be taken about British flood defences and visits two places where the effects are already being felt, a nature reserve on the Gower Peninsula and a coastal village of Fairbourne. That's costing the earth 3.30 in the afternoon on Radio 4. Levi Davis is a 24-year-old rugby player, an X Factor star, and went missing in Barcelona at the end of October. He's not been seen or heard of from since. Rachel Stonehouse pieces together his last known movements as she speaks to his family and friends. File on 4 is at 8 o'clock on Radio 4 to try and understand more about what happens when someone goes missing overseas. Tuesday, 8.40pm, it's got to be in touch with Peter White, only on Radio 4. Inside Health this week looks at lower back pain, which impacts millions of adults each year, with often little help in the way of diagnosis. James Gallagher is joined by a panel of experts to answer all your back pain questions. It's on at 9pm on Radio 4. While in free thinking, Chris Harding leads a discussion into the impact of industrialisation, how sewing machines wrecked sewing, why people mistrusted tin cans, and links between the invention of stainless steel and the military. Tune in on Tuesday to Radio 3 at 10pm. Wednesday, March 1st. In Just One Thing with Michael Mosley, a look at how nuts can benefit the brain. Longevity, and in moderation, won't add to the waistline. You can learn more on Radio 4 at 9.30 in the morning. The Shamima Began story continues as we learn how, in There's No Plan B a pregnant and desperate Shamima, long to return home. 11am on Radio 4 on Wednesday. The afternoon concert on Radio 3 is a celebration of St David's Day. Penny Gore presents a specially recorded performance of Arwell Hughes' epic cantata Dewey Sant, conducted by the composer's son, Owen Arwell Hughes. The concert also features works by Monteverdi and Philip Glass. It's at 2 o'clock on Radio 3. 
Thursday, March 2nd, a chance to hear the classic radio crime series A Case for Dr Morell. Cecil Parker stars as the renowned psychiatrist sleuth in Ernest Dudley's thriller Threat to Kill, as he's called in to help with the temperamental film starlet receiving a disturbing death threat. 11.30am, Radio 4 Extra. On to Radio 4 at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Claire Balding has ramblings. This week, Claire meets Sarah Rickard, who takes groups of people into the magical atmosphere of the Forest of Dean. And Radio 3 in Concert features the Ulster Orchestra in works by Sibelius, Strauss and Brahms. Radio 3, 7.30pm. Lastly, Friday, March 3rd. An astronaut, Tim Peake, takes his longing for certain aspects of Earth while aboard the International Space Station as the starting point for an attempt to understand exactly what homesickness is, how it manifests, what it feels like, and what you can do if you get it. Homesick Planet, Radio 4, 11am. Drama on Radio 4 is Boswell's Lives, in which time-travelling biographer James Boswell pursues famous figures from history. He meets Lord Byron at the beginning of his career, and Boswell is sure he can help the young man become a celebrated poet. It stars Miles Jupp. It's on the radio at 2.15 on Radio 4 on Friday afternoon. And lastly, for this week's radio recommendations, please protect Abraham. In London's Hackney in 2007, 15-year-old Abraham saves a stranger from a brutal attack. That decision, an act of astonishing bravery, changes his life forever and leaves him in fear of his own life. Sam Holder explores the protections in place for witnesses of violent crimes and what can be done if someone feels their life is at risk. Please Protect Abraham is at 9 o'clock on Radio 4. That's it. Thank you to Angela for the highlights this week. May I wish you a peaceful, safe and enjoyable one of radio listening. TNS Soundings. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, this is Lizzie from Otley Talking News, reading John's choice of audio-described television programmes for the week commencing Saturday the 25th of February and ending Friday the 3rd of March 2023. So, what's an offer on Saturday the 25th? There's a celebration of spices from Nick Nairn and Doogie Vipend in The Great Food Guys on BBC One at 11.30am. Would you like pea or mint soup? The Recipes in the Hands of Ainsley's Fantastic Flavours is on ITV at 11.40. North Hampshire is the location of Bargain Hunt today at 1.45 on BBC One. Live, Six Nations Rugby. International rugby continues with two matches. Italy and Ireland live from Italy. Coverage of this starts on ITV at 1.25pm with a kick-off at 2.15. BBC One is showing the Wales versus England match from Cardiff starting at 4 with a kick-off at 4.45. If you would rather watch a film, how about a fictional day in the live of the Beatles at the height of Beatlemania? A Hard Day's Night is on BBC Two at five minutes past three. How about vis- visiting the birthplace of Aphrodite? Bethany Hughes' Treasures of the World explores the island of Cyprus tonight at seven on Channel Four. Stevie learns his truth about Marcus, and a patient causes friction between Max and Faith in Casualty tonight at eight fifty on BBC One. 
Another feature film you might like is a comedy drama based on a true story. A group of soldiers' wives decide to form a choir to keep up their moral. Their story catches on and to their surprise they are invited to perform at the Royal Albert Hall. Find out how they get on in Military Wives on Channel 4 at 9. On to Sunday the 26th. Do you need a politics fix? On Sunday with Laura Kusenberg, Laura interviews key politicians and public figures at 9am on BC One. As it's live, it's not audio described, but you'll be able to understand the conversations. Three different projects in Cumbria, West London and Cheshire feature in Homes Under the Hammer at 11.30 on BBC One. Charlie Ross and the teams visit Newark for Bargain Hunt at 12.15. I like wine as I cook, sometimes I put it in the food. That may be the same, but there are recipes that really use wine in Simply Raymond Blanc on ITV at 11.15pm. Nikki Chapman helps a couple find a home in Oxfordshire and escape to the country on BBC One at 2pm. George checks on the beehives in Matt Baker, our farm in the Dales on Channel 4 at 4.30. Dr Turner experiences the biggest test of his career and Trixie prepares for her wedding. In this, the final episode of this series of Call the Midwife on BBC One at 8pm. A murder in a college garden leads Morse to investigate a celebrated orchestra in this first part of the final series of Endeavour on ITV at 8. The police set up surveillance on Note's house in the third part of The Gold on BBC One at 9. Can nuclear fusion make the energy crisis a thing of the past? How does the world's most powerful water turbine work? Found out in Guy Martin's Great British Power Trip on Channel 4 at 9. Here's a look at the programmes that are on the same time each week. Caught Red Handage each day at 10am. Homes Under the Hammer at 11.15 every day. Bargain Hunt at 2.15 all week. Doctors at 1.45 all week but not Friday. Escape to the Country at 3pm all week. All these are on BBC One. Moving to ITV at 2pm is Dixon's Real Deal on all week. Great Railway Journeys at 7pm on BBC4. All the soaps are on their usual channels at their usual times. Looking now at programmes on Monday the 27th of February. Brighton Marina's main jetty is on the tilt, so engineers devise a plan to correct it by using airbags. See if they are successful in Coastal Defenders on BBC2 at 6.30pm. There are more episodes of this series tomorrow and Wednesday at the same time on the same channel. The Black Chair is centre stage, seating contenders for Mastermind title on BBC Two at 7.30. Lou and Vernon's plans to take Colonel McHugh down Fretton to trigger a bloody gang war in Better on BBC One at 9. When a severed leg is discovered inside a chimney, the team set out to identify the victim. Another crime drama, well, maybe, but this is unforgotten and there's a new DCI, Jess James. How will she get on trying to fill Cassie's shoes? This new series starts on ITV at nine. Finally for Monday, in 1969, a petty South London villain tips off the Times that he's been extorted for money by a detective in the Metropolitan Police. Using archive film and secret recordings, the dirty secrets of London policing are revealed in Bank Coppers Crossing the Line of Duty on BBC4 at 10pm. Tuesday the 28th of February. 
There's a man in the water near the Thames Barrier and a bait digger cut off by the incoming tide near Fleetwood in Lancashire. How do they get on? Find out in Saving Lives at Sea on BBC Two at 7pm. There's FA Cup football on BBC One and ITV both at 7.30 tonight. Fulham vs Leeds on BBC One and Bristol City vs Manchester City on ITV. Neither are audio described, but the commentary should help you understand the state of play. Jimmy explores health claims surrounding pomegranates. Kate finds out why cucumbers are wrapped in so much plastic and Bryony discovers how many apples are needed to produce a can of cider. You can find out too in Food Unwrapped Gets Fruity on Channel 4 at 8pm. Did you know there's a huge missionary centre in Chirley, Lancashire, training 18 to 25-year-olds for the Church of Latter-day Saints? If, like me, you didn't, you can find out more in The Mormons Are Coming on BBC Two at 9 tonight. On to Wednesday the 1st of March. More live football at 7 on ITV and 7.30 on BBC One. Manchester United vs West Ham United is on ITV, kick-off at 7.45. And Sheffield United vs Tottenham Hotspur is on BBC One, kick-off at 7.55. It's not just the extraordinary procedures carried out in Leeds Teaching Hospital Trust, but insight into their daily fight to find free beds. The plastic surgery waitlist is 555 people long, so seeing prep surgeons having to cancel long-awaited operations at the last minute is sobering. Get an insight as to how they manage in saving lives in Leeds on BBC Two at nine. Amanda visits a hill farm in North Wales to see how the farmer makes a profit while also protecting the environment. Amanda Owen's Farming Lives is on More 4 at 9pm. The search for outstanding amateur pianists continues at Glasgow Central Station. Find out how they compare in the piano on Channel 4 at 9. After creating Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg transformed it into a platform that connects billions of people around the world. Find out how he runs his online empire in The Billionaires Who Made Our World, Mark Zuckerberg, on Channel 4 at 10pm. Thursday 2nd, a matcha-based energy drink, a motorcycle clothing brand and a DIY tool that promises to provide measurements like no other are among the ideas presented to the Dragons. Can any or all of these gain investment from the Dragons then? Find out on BBC One at 8pm. Can Chihuahuas, Bear and Dave convince seven-year-old Ollie, who loves huskies, that two little dogs are better than one large canine in the doghouse on Channel 4 at 8pm? The Greenpeace flagship, the Rainbow Warrior, was en route to New Zealand when it was hit by two explosions, which killed a crew member. But who was responsible? Murder in the Pacific cuts for the perpetrators on BBC Two at 9 o'clock. The 50-feet multi-storey kitchen is the setting of the final culinary challenge for the next level chef. Who will win the first prize of £100,000 and a 12-month mentorship from the judges? Find out on ITV at 9pm. Painter Willem Arondius and cellist Frida Belenfante used their skills during World War II to forge identity cards that saved thousands of Dutch Jews from the death camps. No easy task as duplicates were kept in the Amsterdam Records Office to prevent forgeries. Willem led a gang to blow up the building and destroy these copies. Stephen Fry learns why this story has remained largely hidden to this day in Willem and Frida defying the Nazis on Channel 4 at 9. Finally, to Friday the 3rd of March. Rock and roll reaches Kembleford when a group of bikers cause outrage and excitement in equal measure in Father Brown at 1.45pm on BBC One. 
Humphrey and his team are baffled by the mysterious disappearance from their house of an entire family. Can they find the family and why they went missing in Beyond Paradise on BBC One at 8? This is followed by another murder. Frank O'Tooley is found stabbed through the heart after his morning swim. Can Dee Mooney find the murder in Death in Paradise on BBC at 9? Cecil finally reads a letter from Bella to Henry, but before he can confront her, the painting is discovered missing. Suspicion falls on an absent guest and the bellhop Billy Scanlon. Hotel Portofino continues on ITV at 9pm. How about ending the week with an action thriller film? When a disaffected war hero seizes the island of Alcatraz and threatens to destroy San Francisco with chemical warfare, an FBI biochemist and a former British spy notorious for escaping from the maximum security facility are called in. The Rock is on ITV at 10.45pm. Enjoy your audio-described week. TNF Soundings TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello and welcome to our Poets Corner. This is Sandy with a couple of poems from a book by Lawrence McPartland entitled Wake the Stars. Liz. She was watching from her window, lights across the sea. I've seen them before, I heard her say. Can't catch me. Silly moon, it's very late. Sleep with me a while. We'll chase the lights another night. Soon the sun will rise. You see, I am a child again, and I have to close my eyes. Resting at Kirkstone Pass. I grasped one single blade of grass, so wild, so smooth and free. I cast it to the mellow wind, and away it blew from me. In my fingertips I held one twig, then turned it slowly round. I placed it among wild heather, where beauty made no sound. One piece of fern lay on my palms, so rough yet silently warm. I placed it on a stony mound, to be kissed by the sun at dawn. That was from Lawrence McPartland's book, Wake the Stars. Hope to speak to you again soon. DNF Soundings. TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK. Hello, Roger again. Roger Brooks here with what we're going to call our Brain Teaser Quiz. Our Brain Teaser Quiz. Question one. In the 1950s, which sporting team were known as the Mighty Magyars? The Mighty Magyars. There's a clue in the name. They were very successful. Question two. What was the name of Shackleton, the explorer's ship, that was stuck in the ice in 1915? Question three. In what year did Winston Churchill die? Question four. Which of the so-called 
tennis Grand Slam events is actually played on clay. C-L-A-Y, on clay. Question 5. A famous book turned into a famous film, Rebecca. Who wrote the book Rebecca? Question 6. In the United States, who or what is represented by the letters G-O-P? George Oscar Peter. That's not the answer. Question 7. What is the capital of Kenya? Question 7. Question 8. We know that our new king did his first broadcast at Christmas this year. Most popular TV programme of the holidays, apparently. But which British monarch did the first ever Christmas Day broadcast? Which British monarch was the first to ever broadcast to the nation on Christmas Day? That's question eight. Question nine... This is post-seasonal, if you like. Name all nine reindeer in the song <laughs> The Red Nose. <laughs> Clue there in one of them. The rest of them, they sort of come in pairs, as reindeer usually do, from my memory of driving a sleigh. Uh, question ten. In which ocean is Christmas Island. Where is Christmas Island? That's it for now. Answers later. Hello, Roger here again with the answers to our brain teaser quiz. Question one was in the 1950s, which sporting team were known as the Mighty Magyars? The answer to that one is the Hungary or the Hungarian football team, who ended years of uh, dominance by the England and, and other nationality teams. Hungary were the mighty Magyars. Question two was what's the name of Shackleton's ship that was stuck in the ice in nineteen fifteen? And the name was the Endurance. The Endurance. Question three was, in what year did Winston Churchill die? The answer to that one is 1965. It was actually the 24th of January in 1965. Question four was, which tennis Grand Slam event tournament is played on clay? Well, it's the French Open. The French Open is played at the Roland Garros Stadium and one of their favourites there, and certainly it's his favourite surface, is Rafa Nadel, who is called, his nickname is, the King of Clay. And that's nothing to do with making your own ashtrays. Question five. Simple one. Who wrote the book Rebecca? That was... Daphne du Maurier. Daphne du Maurier. Question six. 
the letters G-O-P in the United States, who or what do those letters stand for? Well, they actually stand for the nickname of the Republicans. It's not used very much these days. But the G-O-P is the Grand Old Party. That's the G-O-P. Question 7 with answer 7. What is the capital of Kenya? It is Nairobi. Nairobi. And if you're as old as I am, you'll remember a Tommy Steele hit called Nairobi. But um, here we go. Question 8. Which British monarch did the first ever Christmas Day broadcast to the nation? That was King George V. King George V. Question nine was name the reindeer. Mm, well, this song by Gene Autry went... And it was Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Donner, Blitzen, Comet, Cupid and Vixen. But say, do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? It was Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer. And finally, question 10. The much-blighted atomic test site island some years ago was Christmas Island. And Christmas Island is in the Indian Ocean. The Indian Ocean is where Christmas Island sits. That's the tenth of our answers, and that's it for now. Bye-bye. TNS Soundings. 